In his wonderful sermon last week, Josh cautioned and challenged us against putting God in Jesus Christ in a box. That is, thinking we have Jesus all figured out, let alone thinking that we have a complete understanding of the meaning of his life, death, and resurrection, and the implications upon which our own lives as followers of Jesus Christ must abide by. Josh also challenged us to live open-hearted and open-minded lives, passionately seeking after deeper understanding and awareness of ourselves and those with whom we live in relationship. It set me to considering my life and the love of over 20 years shared with Martha, the love of family, my adult children, our grandsons, our families, and our friends. In fact, there was something of a miracle that happened in my life this week. For a variety of reasons, too complex to go into during a sermon, I had lost all contact with my dad's family. It has weighed heavily on my heart for a long time. Out of the very blue, though, a long-abandoned LinkedIn account, I received a message from a cousin who had been doing some genealogical research, and she said my name had popped up. She contacted me, and we had a wonderful conversation. We have spoken now twice, and she shared how her mom, my dad's youngest sister, is 92 years old, living in New Hampshire, and really thriving in her ninth decade of life. I asked Nancy for my aunt's phone number, and I called last weekend. Her voice, my Aunt Marion's, is exactly as I remembered it as a child. And I got tears in my eyes and a real sense of awe and wonder as I listened to my Aunt Marion tell about her life in the years that I have not been in touch with her. What a gift this has been. It is the gift of connection and the opportunity of deepening relationships even in this season of my life that brings overwhelming joy to my heart. My dad had six sisters and two brothers, so it is a large, extended family. And I asked my Aunt Marion if there were still the wonderful family reunions that I remembered as a child, and she said, yes, there are, and I look forward to be being there with them in the years to come. This feels to me like one of those divinely given gifts to deepen awareness, to overcome chasms of distance, connection and love to be celebrated beyond which I could ever have imagined. And today, as we continue the journey in the season of epiphany, of manifestation, of discovery, this is a season of the church year to celebrate the ongoing revelation of the divine. And I think this experience in my life over these past two weeks counts exactly in that way. God offers us yet another opportunity to connect, to love, and to share our lives with one another. And that indeed is the revelation of God's love in our own lives, isn't it? While we Christians understand Jesus to be the ultimate revelation of God, 
We also know that God did not wait until Jesus was born to be revealed to humankind. In fact, God revealed God's self all the way back as we even hear the creation stories in the book of Genesis when the heavens and the earth, every creature and humankind were created in the image and likeness of God. Let's be honest, though. Each of us, myself included for sure, at one time or another, has constructed a concept of God, an idea of God, in such a way that we can be comfortable with God. Somehow distant enough from God so that God doesn't impinge upon our lives. We prefer a God at times in our lives who places little or no demand on us. And therefore, we can then take God off our carefully constructed shelf, dust God off, and take God out of the box when we feel we have a particular need or desire with which we would like some divine assistance. Well, the biblical texts we have before us today invite us to live into a never-ending, joyful, and mysterious relationship with God as revealed to us every moment of our lives. Not a God we need to be distanced from, but a God who desires mostly to come near. In these texts, we are invited into a mystery that is the holiness of discovery, of surprise, and intimacy of deeper knowing and deeper loving of God and God for us. And if we dare give ourselves over to this invitation, we are set free from the construction of our own little boxes, the boxes that even we put ourselves in that constrict our lives and limit our own horizons of self-awareness and identity as children of God, made in God's own image and likeness. Such is the freedom we are given in Christ, and such is that we are asked to live into that freedom each and every moment of our lives. To love as God first loved us, seeking and serving Christ in one another and in all this glorious creation. One commentator I read this week referred to theological amnesia as the kind of problem that causes us to fall apart every time a crisis comes because we forget who we are and we forget whose we are. We place God in a box. We place ourselves in a box. We put others who challenge us or with whom we disagree in a box. No wonder we have no idea how to talk with the world about our faith. And no wonder we lose the capacity to communicate with respect and kindness to one another across our divisions and disagreements. The reading from the prophet Isaiah this morning puts our relationship to God, our relationship to ourselves, our relationship with others and to all creation back into a healthy and holy perspective. It is as if the prophet Isaiah is trying to cure humanity's amnesia. God has not forgotten us, not ever, not ever will God forget us. So why would we limit the divine by distancing ourselves and losing our trust in the one who brought all things into being? The one in whose image each of us and all creation is made. How differently 
would we relate to God, to ourselves and to one another and to all creation, if we truly, truly embraced the mystery that is the incarnation, God revealed in all, through all. In her brilliant book, The Wisdom of Jesus, Transforming Heart and Mind, the author, Cynthia Bergeau, writes this. If you were to imagine the great world religions like the colors of the rainbow, each one witnessing a particular way to some aspect of God's fullness, Christianity would unquestionably hold down the corner of incarnation, by which I mean the vision of God in full solidarity with the created world, fully at home with the conditions of finitude, so that form itself poses no impediment to divinity. At its mystical best, Christianity reverberates with the warmth of this assurance, with the conviction that creation is good, that God is for us, and that what ultimately gets worked out in the sacred mystery of Jesus' passage through the human realm is a profound testament to love. I believe that the text from the prophet Isaiah and the gospel text from Mark this morning speaks directly to the profound testament to love. We hear Isaiah proclaim, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the testimony to the profound love of our Creator God, that nothing, no thing, no one is ever abandoned or left for dead by the one who brought everything into existence. In all times and in all seasons, the divine remains faithful. And thus, we are called to do the same, to testify to the everlasting power of God's love. We see the same testimony to love in our gospel text as Jesus enters the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, finding Simon's mother-in-law ill. Jesus reaches out, takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and her fever departs. Can you imagine Jesus taking you by the hand? Can you feel the miracle of his love for you? Can you feel the love from his hand moving into yours? Can you feel his love healing you in every shadowy and painful place? Will you extend your hand to another as a testimony to his profound love? and be his witness to the healing so desperately needed in the world all around us. Will you extend your hand to Jesus so that he will take yours in his? 
we have been created to bear witness and to even become sources of that kind of powerful divine love. Cynthia Bourgeau continues as she writes, if my hunch is correct, our earthly existence is not about good behavior in preparation for a final judgment. It is not a finishing school in which we learn what we need to learn, nor a sweatshop in which we work off some kind of karmic debt. Right here, right now, we are in the process of speaking into being the revelation of God's most hidden and intimate name. My friends, I suggest to you that that name, God's name, is the name of love. May you and I surrender all the ticky-tacky boxes we have constructed of exclusion and judgment, of distrust and anger, of fear and stereotype. And may we give our whole selves over to speaking into being the revelation of God's most hidden and intimate name, the name of love. Will you this week extend your hand to Jesus, trusting that he will take your hand in his and walk with you in every moment and every season of your life? For if we dare give ourselves over to love, we live in holy communion, becoming exactly like the one we receive. Amen.